It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed, or well, three days a week as of right now. But stay informed by making us part of your uh, daily routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And uh, Kyle, today we're just going to talk about football. Well, what the SEC... uh, is thinking what kind of their some of the stuff that came out of that meeting in Birmingham among the athletic directors and SEC officials on Monday. Uh, SI.com's Ross Dellinger, he's done a really good job, by the way. Uh, I've kept up with him throughout all of this, and he stays on top of it. He's got good sources. Uh, He's been really good uh, to read. I know you work for The Athletic, but... uh, No, he's great. He's... uh, Ross is a good friend of mine, and uh, he's he's great at this. He's very plugged into college football. He's he was like the king of the LSU beat for a long time, and he's really um, done great in that sort of national college football role at at SI. Um, he likes bourbon, so we're, we, get along, <laughs> we get along. A lot of a lot of things we agree on. I would say so. So we'll we'll focus on that mainly, but um, I do want to start out with uh, John Calipari uh, being. One of the guys in the ESPN article today, where if you go to ESPN, I think uh, for a while there, I'm going to it right now, but there for a while, their very front page was, at least part of the day on Friday, was this um, article on how many uh, guys in uh, college, how how many coaches in college football and college basketball have taken pay cuts and who haven't. And uh, ESPN's been putting this story out and they're saying, Nearly half of major college football men's basketball coaches have taken voluntary pay cuts in response to, you know, the colleges being in financial crisis because of the the pandemic. And so John Calipari, and they look at like eight of the top, uh, eight of the 10 top paid football coaches and at least five of the 10 highest paid basketball, men's basketball coaches have not taken cuts. And John Calipari is at the top of the list. Dabo Sweeney is at the top of the list for football. And so with John Calipari, you know, 
I think the third paragraph of this fourth paragraph of this article brings up that John Calipari makes 8.2 million a year, which is real. It's more than that. It's like over nine when you, when you add, add in everything, but yeah. Factor in all the stuff. So, you know, they point out two of the highest paid coaches, Calipari and uh, also Tom Herman that they've not taken cuts, even as their universities announced reduced pay for other employees, furloughs or layoffs. So with Calipari though, and f- further on down later in the article, they do a good job. I think they're very fair in explaining how John Calipari is different and why he hasn't taken a pay cut. And Eric Lindsay, um, you know, Calipari's uh, guy there. Um, he has a quote in here, but it's what we already know in Lexington and around Kentucky is that Kentucky's athletic department is self-sufficient. It doesn't draw from the university's funding. And as a matter of fact, it does give back to the university. Right. I think they've put in money to build the, uh, the science building on campus a few years ago, uh, but they're self-sufficient. So they don't, you know, they, whatever cuts are made for the university and whatever state funding is given to the university, the athletic department isn't involved there. So you can't, you can't complain that your taxpayer dollars are going to support the men's basketball program and football program because they're not, they take care of that themselves. And they're one of the, you know, few universities in the country that that are set up that way. Uh, You look at Louisville, all that trouble, all that mess that they had going on because they had like the, uh, they had a branch that, that was off there doing its own thing, trying to support athletics, but it's all convoluted. We're not going to go all, all the way into that, but. uh, Yeah. the, The other thing I would say about it with Cal is I think a lot of it is just the approach that Mitch Barnhart has taken to this is like, I'm not pulling any triggers until I have to. I mean, he's the guy that's still talking about putting, you know, telling donors about putting 50, you know, having 50% yeah. capacity, you know, at the uh, board of trustees meeting last month, I think, or earlier this month, um, John Hale reported that uh, he basically said, you know, in addressing the, the board, uh, you know, I'm not ready to talk in hypotheticals. I'm not going to, we're not going to talk in, you know, basically everything they presented with the budget, and all that was kind of the best case scenario. Um, yeah. And it was, we're not ready to talk in, you know, backup plans and worst case scenarios. And that's been his stance all along. And so for that reason, it's not that like, if it was just like, we're not going to make John Calipari take a pay cut and other athletic employees are, I would say that's crappy. I mean, I would just lightly say it. And even though Calipari's done some very charitable things and he's very giving all that, if, if they start, laying off athletic department employees because mm-hmm. of the, not, not because of university issue, as you mentioned, they are self-sufficient, but what if they can't be? And we you know, probably won't be if they are, you know, if there's not a full football season and there's not people in the stands, uh, if there are budget cuts and they start trimming by cutting away low paid positions or asking, you know, low and medium income athletic department employees to take uh, pay cuts or furloughs, if they start doing those things and we don't see John Calipari and Mark Stoops and Mitch Barnhart, who is a very handsomely paid athletic director, 
Uh, and Matthew Mitchell, one of the highest paid women's basketball coaches in the country. If we don't see those people take pay cuts when, when other cuts start happening uh, in the athletic department, then I think it becomes a, an issue. But I just don't think they've really gotten to that point yet because Mitch is taking this posture that I'm just not going to entertain the idea that it's going to go horribly wrong until it goes horribly wrong. Um, I assume he's – I would hope – He's formed a lot of those contingencies um, in spite of his best you know, wishes because I think it's going to be a lot closer to worst case than best case in the well, end. Well, the um, ESPN article points out that Barnhart laid out a 17% reduction to the athletic department for the 2020-21 school year, described it as a necessary sacrifice, but suggested rather than cut salaries, money could be saved by – among other things, eliminating charter flights for some teams, which could lead to some athletes missing additional class time if they return to campus in the fall. Uh, both Calipari and Barnhart declined interviews. Eric Lindsay uh, pointed to Calipari's philanthropic work and donations because, you know, Calipari's helped raise uh, $1.5 million for coronavirus relief during this time. Uh, and then pointed out that Calipari's salary from the athletic department is only $400,000 annually. Um, and JMI, the marketing partner, pays the rest. Uh, and then Calipari uh, shouldn't be considered any, in any context of the university's budget woes, Lindsay said, because the athletic department operates on an independent budget and does not take funds away from the university. Um you look at Matthew Mitchell, it's been a few years, but uh, back in 2014, I believe it was. Maybe a little later, but you're talking about when he took the reduction in his salary after getting the insane contract? <laughs> well, he, he gave a million dollars to Kentucky yeah. Athletics. He donated yeah. Yeah, a million dollars. That was, uh, I'm looking, June 6, 2014 was that. And then yeah. uh, he just gave a million dollars to the Lexington Parks uh, back last October. Not that that has anything to do with the UK, but he, he's he's giving, you know, he's part of the community. He's, right. he's giving. Um, and as long as, like you said, as long as Barnhart doesn't ask those other people in the athletic department, uh, like comes to them and says, here, sign this piece of paper that uh, amends your contract uh, to include a 10% reduction in salary for the next six months. If he does that for one, I think he's got to do it for all, especially yeah. the highest paid among them. Yes. And for as, as someone who's had that document put in front of them in the last yes, six months, me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would I would be super pissed if like the uh, superstar, much higher paid people in my company weren't put didn't have that same document put in front of them. And in mm -hmm. our place, it was a unilateral. It was across the board. Uh, everybody dealt with that. And so. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just think you'd be you would hear much more of an outcry if there are these deep cuts to jobs and and things like right. that, and and your flagship programs don't take deep cuts. The other thing right. is like, you know, if you keep putting your basketball team on the Miami Heat's private jet, and you know everybody else is flying commercial, does that raise uh, flags? But one thing I would say is this about football and basketball. And, and this is, I think, a, a reasonable and fair argument. Uh, without them, you don't have any of the other sports right. at Kentucky. Without Kentucky football and basketball, you have nothing else uh, because they're all essentially charities. <laughs> I mean, 
Well, they're called non-revenue sports for a reason. They're essentially charities because there is no, there is no model where they pay for themselves. Um, and so they don't exist if these uh, other sports don't happen. And frankly, this is sort of a crossover of race and politics. But frankly, those are the two sports or two of the sports that are, are played by and starred. The star uh, athletes are minorities. Mm-hmm. And they create the revenue that pays for a lot of white country club sports <laughs> to yeah. have you know, charter flights and scholarships. I mean, golf and tennis and soccer, and those are predominantly white sports. Baseball mm-hmm. and softball, predominantly white sports at the college level. Uh, Absolutely. Those are, those are sort of the country club sports. I mean, they Swimming just are. and diving. Swimming and diving. And lacrosse at some schools and field hockey and those things. Um, Squash at Stanford. Yeah, and so... <laughs> On the one hand, while I'm saying, well, you know, it's a bad look if Cal doesn't take a pay cut or if you don't take the basketball team off the private jet, if you take the soccer team off the private jet. I don't even know if soccer even takes private jets. But right. um, the, the the flip side of that is, well, maybe you do have to treat them different because they are different and they are the money makers. Um, I, I do think just as a sign of solidarity and good faith, if you're Cal, I almost think you want to take a, I mean, I not want, but from a PR standpoint, if you start laying people off and hitting salaries in the athletic department, I think Cal's smart enough to know how it would look if he didn't take, take a little shave as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, abso- and absolutely Barnhart. I mean, look, if Barnhart as the boss making, you know, insane money, uh, I think is I don't know if he's at a million now or not, but he's well paid. He's not he's not on the bottom end of athletic directors. You know, if you are if you're the one making these calls and you don't take a shave, then I think it's a very bad look. So we'll we'll just see. But like I said, Barnhart has basically taken mostly, other than cutting some travel stuff, he's taken this approach that we're gonna have we're gonna cross our fingers and have a best case scenario. So um, I don't think they've even reached the stage yet at Kentucky where they would do that, where they would need to go to one of the coaches and say, can you, can you, will you take a pay cut? Well, and then for Calipari, you're talking about $40,000 annually from, from what the athletic department is paying him. So if they ask him to take a 10% pay cut, it does nothing for him to take 10% of $8.2 million when JMI, a marketing company, a private company, pays that. You know, that, that there's nothing. If he 10% would just go back to JMI, uh, right. th- it doesn't help the school whatsoever. Um, so 10% of, you know, 400,000. Well, I mean, I guess in, in theory, you know, that partnership with JMI is with the school. Uh, and in theory, you could say, and they would takes, have to if he takes take that, that cut, if he takes that cut personally, does JMI, you know, does Kentucky to. use that money somewhere else? Yeah. Um, where they need it. I don't know. I don't know the logistics of that, so I don't even want to sort of speculate. But uh, you know, I'm not trying to take anybody's money away. I do want to be clear. Right. On that. Not even a rich guy like Cal or, or uh, Mark Stoops. But I feel a lot better giving away the millionaire, the multimillionaire's money than the $40,000 a year uh, sports information you know, new employee <laughs> who's working 15 hours a day uh, toiling yeah. in the basement of a, you know, wherever. Right. I I just, I do. So, well, we got to take a break. We're way, way overdue for a break. So uh, let's jump into it here and we'll come back and we'll start talking about 
uh, SEC football and, and what what Greg Sankey and athletic directors that met on Monday, who met on Monday in Birmingham, were, were discussing some of the stuff that come out of that and uh, something else that was announced today. Uh, we'll discuss that when we return here on Locked On Kentucky. But let me tell you about rockauto.com. This is a family-owned business, uh, family business for, oh, 20 years serving auto parts customers. You go to rockauto.com, you shop for auto and 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 body parts for your car from hundreds of manufacturers because look today how many different makes and models of cars that are out there. I mean, there are so many that there's no way that the big chain stores can carry them all. So when you go to them and you need a part, most likely what's going to happen is they're going to have to order it online. And at rockauto.com, that's that's what you're doing. So so why waste your time and pay more by going to the big chain auto parts store when you can just go to rockauto.com yourself. I mean, they have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even if you want, you know, new carpet for your vehicle. Uh, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. You are locked on Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on Lockdown Kentucky and Kyle. Let's jump into the the SEC. What they're going to do so far? The SEC, the ACC, and the Pac-12 have refrained from making any announcements about how they're going to approach the college football season. We know the Big Ten and the, or I'm sorry, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. The Big Twelve hasn't said anything. Uh, Pac-12. And the Big Ten have already announced conference-only schedules. And for the SEC, that gets rid of two games, Alabama versus Southern Cal and Texas A&M versus Colorado. So those are gone because of what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have announced. The SEC says they're going to wait until late July, like next two or three weeks. And the 14, all 14 SEC athletics directors met in Birmingham on Monday with Greg Sankey and other SEC officials. They're tossing around this idea of the eight and two model. And I'm uh, taking this from Ross Dellinger of SI.com who wrote an article on this, a 10 game schedule with eight conference and two non-conference games. Uh, And what they're really trying to do is save some of these games like Texas at LSU, Tennessee at Oklahoma, Auburn in North Carolina and Atlanta, Mississippi State at NC State. That's just in week two of the season. Uh, Big slate of games. Plus the end of season rivalries like Kentucky, Louisville, Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, South Carolina, Clemson, Florida, Florida State. And there's a few others mixed in there like Arkansas, Notre Dame, Georgia versus Virginia, Ole Miss, Baylor, Missouri, BYU, Vanderbilt, Kansas State. 
So they would like to save these. And it's helping that the Power Five is is coming out with something. The NCAA and the Power Five conferences are coming out with a uh, a plan uh, of, of guidelines, protocols uh, that they all need to follow. Uh, for the SEC, uh, I mean, they're working on that as well. Um, some of the plans for, for starting the season include in September or even as late as mid-October. There could be an eight-game conference-only schedule or a nine- or ten-game conference-only schedule. seems like ten games does not have much support because of how tough a ten-game SEC schedule would be. The preferred route is that eight and two or even eight and one. Eight conference games, one or two non-conference games. Playing in the spring is viewed as a last resort. Uh, because they look at it as turning a one-year problem into possibly a two-year problem, because if you finish the season uh, in March or May, or or if you, you start the season in March, I'm sorry, and finish in May or even June, uh, then what are you doing when you know athletes are normally on campus in July and then camp starts in August? So they don't want to take a one-year problem and turn it into a two-year problem. Um, then... Uh, any plan that that seems to be talked about looks like it will eliminate games against group of five and FCS opponents. So now you're looking at lawsuits with right. uh, these contracts. Uh, but the NCAA Football Oversight Committee is working on a plan to provide more flexibility in scheduling to accommodate game postponements by extending the regular season by as much as two weeks. And if you look at October, this particular year, October has five Saturdays. There are four in November. If you move the SEC championship game back a week, then you have the first week of December to get in 10 Saturdays, 10 games, if you were to start the season in the first with the first Saturday in October. So delay the season a month. And, it, and that's why I think Greg Sankey is waiting until late July, wait another two or three weeks and see what's going on because these factors that they're considering are – you know, the health of the teams. And Sankey said this week that they had single digit to zero cases last week in the SEC. Then you got to look at the trends of the virus in the states where games would be played. And then look at the capability of the healthcare facilities in the area. Is the hospital overrun uh, in the Gainesville area? Is the hospital overrun in the College Station area Um, to be able to handle new cases? Uh, So all of that is going to factor into what they're going to do here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a lot. That <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I think sometimes that, I mean, when I just think about everything you just said and how much it is, and that's not even like the tip of the iceberg. I think sometimes that's why the default is just, they're never going to play this season. <laughs> you know, when you start thinking about all that goes into it and all the considerations, you know, setting aside the safety piece of it, like the lawsuits of like, how are you going to get out of these contracts? And if you can't get out of them and you're already making budget cuts, are you really going to be paying, you know, three to $5 million in buy games that you, you always have uh, when you're not even playing those games? You know, is that, how do you do your financial forecasting? Does that make any sense? And you know, are we, are we going to wreck, Everybody outside of the Power Five. I don't think the Power Five cares. <laughs> uh, and like I said, I think I've said this now for a few weeks. 
every day that goes by and every little trickle of news makes me think feel more and more like this virus is really going to be the impetus for uh, the eventual breakaway of the power five Um, because they're already siloing off, you know, and you know, there's, I, I I, I can't recall if you mentioned this in, in all that stuff you were talking about, but there's been some stuff that some talk that, you know, the AC, uh, the SEC and ACC have sort of already kind of been talking about an alliance where, you know, an exception to this idea of conference only. Uh, so you'd still be able to play South Carolina, Clemson and Florida, Florida state and Kentucky, Louisville. And what's the other, there's one more. I think there's Georgia, four. Georgia tech, Georgia, Georgia tech. There's at least four, maybe five, Florida, Florida state. Yeah. Um, that those would still happen. And so to me, I think then what I think I've also said, uh, if you can do that, let's just get together as power five conferences and settle on those standards and say, we're only going to play each other and it's still going to be a 10 game season, but maybe we don't have to try to do this weird unbalanced, you know, if you're in a 12 or 14 team league and you play 10 conference games, like it's still not really fair, (laughs) you know, like you're not going to play everybody. Uh, And so you could still, you know, if you're the sec, you could still play everybody in the East, play a, play somebody in the West and play a couple of power conference non-conference games and then you've got a great schedule that like people want to watch yeah uh, with no bad games Um, well if look if kentucky's going to go down to florida gainesville and play them then there's no reason kentucky shouldn't be able to play louisville right yes that's a great point if you're gonna go travel to coronaville uh you ought to be able to go to louisville um and yeah that that's a and just really if you feel safe to play teams in your conference as a power conference, you should feel like we can get on the same page with the other power conferences. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. There are some interesting prospects. Um, I think if this season could get pulled off in this way that it seems to be trending, it could be really fun. Uh, I mean, you talk about every game, you know, people saying, well, the, you know, yeah. playoff playoff means every game doesn't matter. Uh, if we expand it, it really means that every game doesn't matter. I mean, every game matters if you drop all the BS and you only have 10 games total and you're, and every game is played under the specter of like, will the season end after this week? Uh, yeah. Um, and who's going undefeated through those schedules, you know? All right. Um, so I don't know, man. I, you know, it could be really cool. I mean, if they play any football, the ratings are going to be insane. Yeah. Um, it's just there's just so many other but there's so many other logistical things um i don't know i i I still really don't know i I, my inclination is that it's ultimately not going to be played it's certainly not going to be played september to the first week of december (laughs) like i would bet my life on that at this point it is not going to be played on the on the currently scheduled timeline Um, well and every day another conference or another school announces that it's not suspending oh right right well that or yeah even power conference teams are suspending workouts every you know i think yeah miami just do it uh, so i think the MEAC just canceled its season um or pushed it to the spring right or push it to the spring yeah Yeah. and then you got center college you know here in kentucky has just said yeah we're not even going to try um so i would say i would say though like i don't know if i really buy the like well one a one-year problem into a two-year problem Everybody's facing that. I mean, the NBA is sort of going to have to reset because they're not going to finish their season until what is it like November, October? 
uh, the end of October. And of course, then, those they're pros, though, you know. They are, but I'm just saying, like, schedule-wise, I mean, what you do mm-hmm. then is you just sort of incrementally work back to a normal schedule. So if we, you know, if we finish the um, the college football season in May, uh, then we push the next season start back to October 1st. Um, you know, and then you're not way off. Uh, you just play right up until the Christmas break and then you have the playoff after the Christmas break. And that's, and then next year you're back on schedule. Um, the idea that like they play a month of spring ball anyway. Um, well, it's not, but spring ball is near, you know, it's not not the same. No, it's not the same, but I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think ending the season in May and starting it back up in October is like all that absurd. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a physician, so maybe it's not safe, but, um, all right, well, yeah. we got we got to get one more break in here and we will, when we come back, we will talk about what the SEC announced today when we return here on Lockdown Kentucky. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Kentucky. We're just talking about all the things uh, the SEC is considering uh, about college football season. One thing that came out today is uh, from the office, SEC offices of Birmingham, is that they will, all 14 member institutions, will allow, will honor the scholarships of any athlete who decides to opt out of the fall season. Uh, due to you know health concerns, if any player decides that this is too risky, I don't like it. I don't like what's going on here. I'm going to sit out and not play uh, and protect myself. Then the schools will all every school will honor uh, the scholarship, which is the right thing to do. However, I do wonder, and they also said and remain in good standing with the team, which that's important to note there too. That uh, I mean, you got to think it's going to have some effect. You know, will the teammates support everybody's decisions, individual decisions? Will there be some uh, resentment there? You you just don't know how that's going to go. But then also, what about it makes no mention of eligibility? You know, there's always that uh, you got five years to play for. Well, what happens if you sit out due to COVID-19? Like it's your own personal decision. You've got that scholarship. Uh, Is that a redshirt year for you? Is that a right you know, how, how does that work? Do you lose? Is that what, is that the cost that you lose that year of eligibility? What yeah. about a senior, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's again, there's just, so, there's so, there are so many like moving parts and like tentacles to this that like, and Cal Perry loves to say unintended consequences. Like if we do this, we think it's a great idea or it'll work, yeah. but then what does it do over there? Mm-hmm. Um, roster management, all those things are, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really don't know. Uh, you know, and I think like when it comes to basketball, yeah, you know, I think we're getting to the point where, you know, if you're Calipari or you're anybody that signed a top 25 recruit, 
um, you have to worry that they begin to look around and go, is college basketball going to get played or is it going to get pushed way back? And if it is, do I risk like the chance that I never play any college basketball at all? Uh, You know, and if, and if that's the case, if they shut everything down, I'm not even getting training. I can't even, you know, when they shut down basketball season, you couldn't come back and train here at UK. You couldn't work out with the coaches. So if that happens now, then you're a pro, an elite pro prospect with no training. Um, and so do you, you, you start to go, you start to wonder, I mean, if I'm John Calipari, I'm absolutely afraid that the longer this goes with uncertainty about dates and whether we're really going to start on time and all of that is does BJ Boston and Terrence Clark and maybe others say, I'm just going to go take that G league money. <laughs> Cause at least I know yeah. if I'm a, in a pro environment there, the pros are working towards playing. The pros are getting trained. If I sign with them, even if I never play in the next year, I'm going to get trained professionally and I'm going to get paid. Um, and so I, I think that comes into effect. And I think that's one of, you know, it's one of the big worries in football too, is if you push to the spring, how many guys yeah. just sit out the season. Right. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence's resume as it stands right now is good enough to be a first round draft pick. So why, why would you even? Right. He just couldn't go by because of the rule. He's only been two years. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I probably don't risk blowing my knee out a week before the draft because that's the thing. Like, when yeah. the season in, is in the spring, you know, now if you tore your ACL in the fall football season and the draft is not until, what, May? Is it May or April? Mm-hmm. Uh, April. Then you've got a chance to at least be like, I had surgery, I'm running again, you yeah. know, by the time the draft comes around. If you blow your knee out or shatter your ankle or to a tag of a level, you know, break your hip and the draft right. is three weeks later, I mean, you are taking a major hit. <laughs> so Absolutely. Uh, that's all, I mean, again, so many considerations that when you, when you start piling them up on each other, it just feels almost hopeless. I mean, it's just like, how are they going to do this? What, like, what solution is an actually viable solution that doesn't turn into a total nightmare for everybody? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, the whole college basketball thing. I mean, to imagine that you're just sitting there in flux and you're waiting and waiting. And then, um, you know, you've missed a deadline or something. It's too late to, to, to go. You know, when you're sitting there considering it, Okay, here comes this deadline. Are we going to play basketball in college this year or not? Because if we're not, yeah, I, I mean, to, I, I need to go. Yeah, that's what I don't know about, like, uh, you know, in terms of like a make or break. Well, yeah, if you're Olivier Saar, even if you get to waiver, right? I mean, if it gets to be, what is it? They move it back to like August 30th or something that the, the I, early entries. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, if it's August 21st or August 28th. And and there's no clarity on the college basketball season, and you're Olivier Sar. Even if you've gotten the waiver, what do you do? If you're, <laughs> you know, and and I and I don't know. I, I should ask somebody this. I should know this. I guess I don't know if the G League has a cutoff for when these deals, these these you know, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar deals are thrown out there to top high school kids to do this kind of weird thing. It's not like they're not going to go play in the G League. It's a training academy. And I think they're going to play a handful of games against the G League, but it's mostly training. It's to get these guys under the NBA umbrella. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. know if they have a deadline to go into that. 
because the high school guys right now, it's not like BJ Boskin can say, "Okay, well, I'm going to go in the draft." He can't still. exactly, but he right. can go to the G League. But G I don't League. know. Yeah. I don't know if they have a deadline. I mean, at some point, they're going to start working. Uh, you know, they're going to start their training, and so now, you know, the NBA is smart enough. They'll just say, "We'll take you whenever." They'll work some kind of wording out right. to where okay, or, college basketball season's canceled. Right. We'll take you now. We'll we'll you know. You well, that's what I was going to say. Or right now, or if they're even really smarter, right now they set this some artificial deadline that they're comfortable with coming back later and breaking to put some pressure on these kids. Like, okay, yeah. BJ Boston. We are sliding five hundred thousand dollars across the table, and you have two weeks <laughs> to decide. And you might not. You might. And if that two weeks passes, and then you don't have a college basketball season, you get squadoosh. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, that's like Cal Perry's worst nightmare. Yeah, I could. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for uh, this week's. Uh, Locked on Kentucky episodes. Uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend. If you want us to uh, talk about something, you can always hit us up on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. In the meantime, if you want more, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked on NBA. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>